Blog Talk Radio. Those were those glorious bells from the mission in San Juan Capistrano. And they ring out on Sunday mornings, <laughs> um, celebrating the, you know, the gathering together of a few faithful that still go to that ancient mi- mission to um, worship together gather together in love and um, trust and respect. And I just, before this week ended, I had to um, just put in my two cents worth about the Parkland, Florida school shooting. And again and again and again and again and again, if I have to, to try to bring our focus to the core of this problem, with our current society. Because as the madness intensifies, I I have to continue to be this observer and reflect and continue to look down from my plane of existence where my life is self-regulated by love and trust and respect until we have each and every person in our society who is self-regulated by love and trust and respect. Otherwise, we're going to continue this downward spiral towards the bottomless pit. According to the Cambridge Advanced Learner's Dictionary and Thesaurus, a bottomless pit is something that has no limits, a difficult place with unpleasant experiences, our cross to bear, a fate worse than death. You know, my career has been marrying couples, brides and grooms. I did wedding ceremonies here in California at the beach for 22 years. All I have dealt with during my entire career has been love and trust and respect and week in and week out, and week in, day in and day out, through my 22 years, I said in my wedding ceremony, love lives upon the pillars of trust and respect. And I believe these three attributes, love, trust, and respect, they have to be present in a marriage you know, for it to work. Because if trust is broken or respect is lost... Love can then only survive with compassionate forgiveness. But, you know, most people want justice. They want restitution. They just simply or won't, or they'll just, you know, not be able to trust anymore and they'll have no respect and then there is no love. And it all falls apart. 
And, you know, these attitudes of love and trust and respect have to be inside, within the person, inside the bride, inside the groom. And these attitudes manifest outward then to each other, starting within the boundaries of their bed and then radiating out within the walls of their home where their children would learn by words of their parents and by the deeds of their parents what is love and trust and respect. Because within trust, love, and trust and respect is honesty and integrity. I just love to tell the story about my cousins. I'm sure I've told it (laughs) more than once on this radio show in the last five years. But my cousin served in the Senate for the state of Indiana for 20 years. And during this time, he was married, and they had two children who grew up and were married during that time. Well, there was another senator who served in the Senate at that same time, and he and his wife had decided to delay starting their family while they had both pursued their individual careers because both of them were attorneys. So when they did decide to start a family and they were beginning to make the provisions for having this special little soul to come into their life, um, they they wanted to, they were doing their research. (laughs) And uh, by this time, you know, my cousin's kids were teenagers. So this other senator asked my cousin if they could come and meet with their kids to ask them questions to try to find out how they had become such exemplary teenagers who seemed to excel at everything that they did. So my cousins invited the senator and his wife over for dinner, and they had their two teenage kids, a boy and a girl, uh, seated at the table with them. So the senator asked them, well, what did your parents teach you? Well, what happened next, you know, nearly caused my cousins to want to <laughs> get down under the table in just total embarrassment because this is what the kids said. Well, we never had to clean up our plates. You know, we could just eat our dessert first. And if we only wanted to eat our dessert, we could. You know, we never had to finish anything that we started. We could change our mind. <laughs> And we didn't have to say please or thank you. And we could have our room be just as messy as we wanted, as long as, you know, we could find everything we wanted without any help. And we did have to be home at a certain time, but we could also call and say we were going to be late. Well, on and on it went until the senator finally said, well, how in the world have you turned out to be as good as you are? And then the older boy said, Well, I guess we just did what we saw our parents do. And these parents, my cousins, lived their life in love and trust and respect, in honesty and integrity. And this is what their children learned within the sacred walls of their home. You know, this week I got two really big surprises about two of the people in my life 
that I had considered way up there on the scale of honesty and integrity. Because, in fact, these two people I had rated probably as the most true blue friends that I have, you know, friends I would trust with my life. Well, I had asked one of them how much her car insurance was because she had just gotten a new car on a lease, and she lives here in Orange County. And I had just gotten a new car on a lease, and my insurance went way up. So she said hers was about 900 Well, mine is 1400 I said, well, how do you get such a low rate? That's a year, by the way. Nine hundred a year, and mine is fourteen hundred dollars a year. She said, "Well, you know, the insurance company doesn't know that I'm divorced now. It still shows that I'm married, and my ex's car is still also on the policy." Well, she's been divorced for four years. Well, then this other person who lives here in my gated community sold his car, and he forgot to take the gate sticker off of it. So he was turning in another car he had, so he was taking the sticker off of that car, and he tore it in half so he could use it to release both cars. Otherwise, he was going to have to pay $135 for the missing sticker. And he was just going to say, well, you know, as I was trying to tear it off, it came off in pieces. <sighs> well, now, how do I completely trust either one of these two people now? I mean, if they lie to the insurance company and they lie to our residential community board, wouldn't they also maybe lie to me? Now I can hear you saying, oh, those are just those little white lies we tell in our lives. And perhaps you would argue it didn't hurt anybody. But the truth is that every teeny tiny little departure down from the bar of perfection that we hold in our own life for ourselves is a step down for the whole creation. And look what this has done to us. This crazy, convoluted chaos that we call life, which has seen 12 school shootings just this year already here in the United States, this didn't start yesterday. It started little by little, step by step, as we took one more step down and another step down and another step down in our own personal values and our standards for our life. I keep wondering how far down we're going to go. But as we've already said, it's a bottomless pit, a difficult place with unpleasant experiences, our cross to bear, a fate worse than death with no end. By the way, this is also the definition of hell. Now, in the case of the Parkland, Florida school shooting, I I understand the need to blame someone. I mean, the grieving father who addressed the Florida legislator wanted to blame someone. Because all of us, whether we have it in operation or not, has this divine standard of value within us that is our sacred 
And this standard of value demands justice. Now, most of us are still in the old paradigm of justice, like an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You premeditatively take a life, you get the death penalty. But when we're not true to our own standards at all times, holding ourselves accountable and responsible for our thoughts and our deeds, strictly making everything come into agreement with the standard of love and trust, respect and honesty and integrity that we've set for ourselves, then collectively we're going to reap the effects of the culmination of every single one of us who has violated our own inner divine standard of value at one time or another. So everybody is to blame. Everybody. You know, one time in the Bible, a crowd brought a woman to Jesus, and they were yelling and screaming and protesting. We caught her in adultery, Jesus. And the cry was, stone her, stone her. So Jesus said, okay, which one ever one of you is blameless in your life, in your thoughts and your actions? You can start the stoning. And one time I heard a preacher preach on this story, and he said, there was a great big kerplunk service as everybody dropped their stone and walked away. I believe that there is another dimension to this also, because nearly every child today has an Xbox and has those games you play where you're mowing down people constantly with machine guns in virtual reality, in extremely realistic scenes. I've seen these. Each of them is playing a character with many other people, sometimes hundreds of people at one time. And each character is being played by a real person. And they're all shooting each other with handguns and rifles and machine guns, all sorts of weapons, which... They can either win or buy along the way. Is it no wonder that such a virtual reality could eventually spill out into real life? It's part of these kids' life. And I might add, a part of a lot of adults' lives, too, because at any given time, the game Eve, E-V-E, Eve, which has a worldwide platform, Form can have a million players at one time, all shooting and killing the enemy. And most of our television is crime, crime stories, constant scenes of either the police or SWAT teams or aliens or just about anybody and everybody shooting other people. The appetite for violence in this country is just appalling to me. Even 10 years ago, it was tabulated that a three-year-old child who watches television sees 300 murders a year back then. Uh, Today, it must be in the millions. Violence, I believe, is the result of unrequited love. Love that has either been totally absent in a person's life, betrayed, or violated. 
and then the unrequited person fills that ache in his heart with anger and a desire for revenge and restitution. It's that sacred need to blame someone, that need for justice. So what is the answer? What can we do about it? I was talking to my oldest daughter yesterday morning because she's a teacher in Texas, and she has just been reassigned to a new school in her city, which is a specialized technical school now, which is designed to actually prepare a child by the time he graduates at 18 to be a skilled in a job profession. Some of the things they offer are auto mechanics, body shop, plumbing, electrical, the bakery, being an esthetician, flower arrangement, policemen and firemen preparations, computer sales and marketing, government and social services. These are just some of the curriculums available. And she has been put in charge of six students who have been especially selected as having the most potential for contributing to the community. And they are being given an overall introduction to and experience in all aspects of government and the public welfare. Um, Just as an interesting piece of information for you, her special students are one black, one white, two Mexicans, and two Asians. Well, she was telling me they had their first lockdown this week. This is a brand-new school just been open this year. So in addition now to fire alarms and procedures in case of fire, now the kids have to practice lockdowns in case there's a shooter. She also has a class in Internet marketing, and this was the class she had to take into a closet until the all-clear signal was given. Well, what they learned during this first knockdown is that kids get panicky and have panic attacks, and they throw up, they have to go to the bathroom, they, they pee and poo, and they can't take being sequestered in such close quarters without their phones in the dark. And she said, Mom, you know, there's really nothing we can do to stop Shooters, so we just need to be prepared. She said that at their meeting that they went to, they said there is nothing we can do to stop having a shooter, so we have to be prepared. And so in the meeting of the teachers after the lockdown, it was decided that all the places where the kids are to be sequestered will need to have plastic bags for pee and poop and to throw up in, toilet paper, paper towels, and also big flashlights, some kind of big light. The kids can't be in the darkness, so they'd have to have tons of batteries, flashlight batteries, and many fully charged cell phone chargers at all times. Kids are addicted to their phones. And in a real-life shooter situation, they could be, uh, because, you know, in a real-life shooter situation, they could be sequestered in these so-called safe areas for hours and hours. I had been so glad that she had been reassigned to this new school because in her old school, which was 65% black, 30% Mexican, and 5% Asian, one day in her classroom, one of the black students 
who was a constant troublemaker in the classroom to begin with, was acting out even more than usual, not sitting in his seat, wandering around the room, playing loud music on his phone, and she told him to sit down and turn off his phone. Well, this kid is a, he's a junior. I mean, he's like about 19 or something because he just, you know, doesn't pass. So he's six foot two inches tall and about 220 pounds. Well, he sauntered up to her desk and he said, I ain't going to do it and you can't make me. And you know what? The sad truth is he was right. She was helpless to do anything. So he just continued to do it because the administration of that school does not have the teacher's backs. The white principal is scared to death of losing his job if he does any kind of discipline, especially with a black kid. And that was the day I prayed to God to get her out of that school. And thank God she was reassigned. And then I was just devastated to learn that now they've had this practice lockdown in this new school. What are we teaching our kids today? Who is responsible? What is the answer well, I went to the store yesterday, and I was as I was going back to my car with my groceries, this Mexican woman pushing a pretty fancy stroller with a baby in it and holding on to the hand of her three- to four-year-old daughter came boldly up to me and asked me for money. I just blurted out, Woman, I don't believe in teaching your children to beg on the street. You are a very bad mother. Well, she ran away from me as, she, as fast as she could and went and hid behind a car. I, I don't know if she thought I was going to shoot her or what. Ho- hopefully she was scared to death enough that she'll never do that again because now we've gotten to the core of this program a subject that I'm going to continue to dialogue about for as long as I have breath in my body. If you want to go to the beginning, before there was anything, there was the deep. The deep is the divine mother. And the spirit of the Father, the divine masculine energy, moved upon and entered into the deep. And in an orgasmic flash of light, everything began to take form. And still today, this orgasmic flash of light energy from the male enters into the woman and new life is created. And my dear friends of earth, There must be a premeditative and deliberate decision to create a child. It is the polarity balance to premeditative murder that reaps the death penalty. This is the premeditative creation of life, a living soul. And there is tremendous responsibility with this power of creation and someone must take this responsibility seriously 
either the male energy wears some sort of protection or the female uses birth control and says no. Either uses birth control or says no to the male energy. This must be before any act of sex between a man and a woman. Because let me tell you, recalcitrant, undeveloped souls hang out in those halls of incarnation just waiting for these oops, unplanned pregnancies to be able to get back into life on earth in order to continue their useless and society-dependent lives. What we need now are men and women who love one another, who will make the provisions to have a baby because there's a whole new evolution of souls waiting to come to earth at this time. They have all the answers to our big questions of what to do, what to do. These souls are more evolved than we are. They're wired totally different. They've been coming in since about 1988, and a few even came before that. And most of them have been diagnosed as ADHD or ADHD or autistics or has Asperger's. And they've all been put on drugs. And this is shameful. It was the beginning of the opiate crisis we have today. These children should have all been kept at home and homeschooled by their mothers. The school system is not set up for them. But the mothers were all at work because a capitalistic system of unbridled, gross materialism here in the United States has been the evil that has driven the woman out of the home and into trying to help the man bring home the bacon. And in this woman's quest to be equal to a man, we have lost the mother. And it is the mother who holds the bridle. It's the mother who sets the boundaries. It's the mother who rocks the cradle and bears and nurtures the children. It's the mother who cares for the man's emotional needs while the woman cares for his physical needs. It's the mother who is in charge of the man's kingdom. Each man is the king of his kingdom, and the woman is his queen. But the mother is the ruling goddess over it all before the throne of God. And today, we don't have that office of the mother in operation. And the whole society has fallen down to the lowest common denominator. Because when the woman is mother is dead, the child is abandoned, and hysterically insane in his grief. Hence, the Parkland school shooting. So today, only when there is love and trust and respect, responsibility with honesty and integrity present within the heart of each and every one of us to be manifest wherever we are, whatever we're doing, Will there be any change in our nation? And the person who is in charge of setting up and teaching these concepts is 
the mother and the place where they are taught and learned is the home. This is Marcianne.